Welcome to Eczema Out Loud from the National Eczema Association. I'm Danny Morsehead. My guest today, Dr. Emma Gutman, is the Waldman Professor and System Chair of Dermatology and Immunology at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York City. She is also the Director for the Center for Excellence in Eczema and the Occupational Dermatitis Clinic and Director of the Laboratory for Inflammatory Skin Diseases. I'm also joined by my colleague, Wendy Smith-Bagolka. Wendy is the VP of Scientific and Clinical Affairs at the National Eczema Association. Wendy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Danny. It's my pleasure to be here. Wendy's going to handle some of the more sciencey side of things, so I appreciate her joining us for that. And before we jump in with Dr. Gutman, I'll ask Wendy, what is the current treatment landscape looking like from the biologic side of things? I know we have Dupixent, which is currently out, but it sounds like we have some more treatments on the way. What does that look like right now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Danny, for that question. There's over 25 different biologics that are in, in some place of, of treatment development right now in, in the eczema space. Um, some of them are obviously much further along than others, but, but what that means is that there's the potential for all of these biologics to target different molecules within the immune system that could help people with eczema that might have sort of like different flavors of now what we're beginning to understand eczema might look like. And what Dr. Gutman's work has been looking at are what we call these different phenotypes or different subtypes of eczema. And so hopefully what we'll be able to look forward to in the future is what we call personalized medicine, this idea that as we know more about the different immune system contributors and as Dr. Gutman's work and others helps to help us understand and elucidate how those players might work together to cause eczema in different people, that we might be able to sort of match different therapies with different types of eczema. And so hopefully with Dr. Gutman and our conversation today, she can help us understand how those two things might go together. Thanks so much, Wendy, for that little synopsis. That'll really help us tee up some good questions for Dr. Gutman. So without further ado, let's invite her in. Dr. Gutman, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Really wonderful to be with you guys. Our conversation today will cover biologics and the work and the research that you've done that contributes to their development. Mm -hmm. So before Wendy jumps in with her questions, I'll ask you to explain really generally what biologics are and how they work to treat eczema. Sure. First of all, they, they usually are uh, injectables, and this is important to know that they are not orals, they are injectables, um, and they are given either every week, every two weeks. Now we have also in trials biologics given every four weeks, um, and in psoriasis we even have biologics for uh, given every eight weeks and 12 weeks, and they are targeting um, a specific molecule or molecules, but not many molecules, uh, involved in the pathogenesis of a given disease. Here we are talking about eczema. Uh, and because of their nature, because of the targeted nature, they usually uh, are offering a safe uh, profile. Um, and um, if you can imagine a, a medication like cyclosporin that targets many immune cells, it targets T cells and B cells and many, many immune cells, of course, it will not have a good safety profile because of the lack of specificity. But biologics are usually specific to one molecule that is really key in the pathogenesis of the disease. 
So Dr. Gutman, um, this is Wendy. Want to ask you a question then about biologics because you know what, what they're able to do different than topicals is they sort of treat eczema from the inside out, right? You know, it's different than putting something on the skin. So can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about you know, what it means to sort of treat the different immune components, you know, again, from that inside out versus coming at it from the skin down. Absolutely. So uh, I'll explain. Uh, when you treat uh, from the inside out, uh, it means that uh, you treat also the systemic immune abnormalities that the patients uh, have. And uh, think about the fact that patients that have eczema, they have eczema for many years. Uh, depending how old they are, but sometimes it's 20 years, 30 years, and so on. So by that time, the immune abnormalities are not longer only in the skin, but they are also in blood. So when you see a patient that has multiple lesions all over the body, you can be sure that that patient will have abnormalities in the blood. And that's the reason why it's not enough for us to treat uh, with topical medications. And, you know, one lesion will resolve, another one will start. And the reason being is that we are not treating the course, the, the source of the disease, which is in the blood. So biologics uh, treat the disease systemically. So they will be able to reverse also these uh, systemic abnormalities that the patients have because the topicals that we are giving are fixing only the abnormality that is in a given lesion. They don't take care of the abnormalities we have in the blood. And this is the reason why lesions will recur immediately after if the patient has a significant disease involvement. So you mentioned that the biologics are treating those abnormalities from the blood. Can you go into what those abnormalities are and are they all the same? Are there different types of them? Mm -hmm. Biologics are not treating only the blood. Biologics treat the immune abnormalities, whether it's in the skin and the blood. What, what is important to recognize that patients that have moderate to severe disease, so significant involvement with eczema, these patients, the abnormalities will not be only limited to the skin. Like in mild patients that have one or two lesions, you'll have abnormalities only in the skin. You don't have abnormalities in blood. And that's why in these patients, topicals are likely all they need, right? They don't need the systemic medication. Whereas patients with significant disease, and when it involves multiple parts of the body. So in these patients, you really need to give them something that will tackle the skin abnormality, but also the blood abnormality. Is that uh, clear? No, that's great. Thanks. Okay, good. Yeah. And what do we know about long-term effectiveness of biologics? They, they haven't been used in atopic dermatitis for as long as they've been used in other diseases, but what is your best guess based on the data we have so far? So first of all, we have in atopic dermatitis, it's been about nine years, even 10 years maybe, since the first studies with Lupilumab started. So we have a little bit data in, in to base, based on the original studies, I would say 10 years since the original studies. And so far we see very good safety over time of our patients that enrolled in the first studies. But we can also extrapolate a little bit from the data in psoriasis. And we have drugs in psoriasis such as Telera that are around for a long time. And we see consistently good safety for patients in chronic use. So Dr. Gutman, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about different biologics and obviously what's out there now, as well as some things that are coming and that they're going to target different immune molecules. And, and a lot of your research um, has focused on trying to understand, you know, different phenotypes or different subtypes of eczema. 
Um, I think really confirming what, you know, healthcare providers and patients have known for some time that eczema is a very unique disease. It's not really one size fits all. So how does, you know, your research that's starting to define these different subtypes, um, could you just talk a little bit more about what those are? And then, um, well, then we can kind of talk a little bit more as we go forward about what that might mean for the future of biologics as well as the future of care. Of course, absolutely. So, you know, eczema is much less um, homogeneous than psoriasis. It's quite a heterogeneous disease. And while um, one immune uh, axis, the type 2 immune axis or TH2 immune axis is quite common to all the subtypes of atopic dermatitis, these um, uh, subtypes differ a little bit in their immune polarity. So there are subtypes that will have some TH17 abnormality. And TH17, by the way, is um, the immune abnormality that is in psoriasis. Uh, some subtypes will have TH22 abnormalities. And um, these differences will also relate to some differences in barrier uh, abnormality differences. So, and this is why with a good biologic like dupilumab, and we are very fortunate to have a really good first biologic for atopic dermatitis. That was not the case actually in psoriasis. You know, the first biologics had only 25 to 30% efficacy, whereas with dupilumab, we are much higher than that. But with that being said, dupilumab, even though it's a great drug because it targets the TH2 axis, it's not... A causing clearance in the majority of patients, right? Easy 90 is around 35-36% with dupilumab. So while it provides benefit to majority of the patients, clearance is only seen in the minority of patients. And that's exactly where the, uh, I think, uh, differences between patients uh, subtypes are coming into play. And the reason being that probably some patients need a little bit different targeting or additional targeting. And I think the next few years will be very instrumental in trying to understand which drug is for which patient. Can you dive a little further into the phenotypes of eczema and how they might differ from psoriasis? Uh, psoriasis is, I would say, more homogeneous. Atopic dermatitis is a more heterogeneous disease, and it, there are multiple um, disease subtypes that were um, uh, proposed, such as pediatric atopic dermatitis as compared to adult atopic dermatitis, Asians with atopic dermatitis, um, uh, patients from an African descent as compared to other ethnicities, um, age, um, so I, I mentioned pediatric, but in general, younger versus older. Um, there are quite a few uh, subtypes that were described also based on uh, severity, mild disease versus moderate to severe disease. That's another uh, difference. Uh, for example, the mild atopic dermatitis, they don't have systemic involvement, whereas the moderate to severe have systemic involvement. So all these phenotypes are related to also differences in uh, immune polarity uh, or immune differences, and of course, to treatment differences. Okay. So those those immune differences relate to the, the different phenotypes deeply. Exactly. Then. Okay, great. You mentioned that um, some of these different phenotypes can, can change over time, that there's a difference between you know, children, adolescents, and even older adults, does that mean that even within the same person that their phenotype mm -hmm. might change over time? Absolutely, because think about people and how their skin changes over time, right? With age, our skin tends to be drier and thinner, and it may also cause changes in the immune phenotype and maybe 
changes in the drugs we may want to give patients. Absolutely. And so with the different phenotypes, are they pretty clear cut? Like with one person, it's it's very clear that they have one predominant area that this therapy might be good for them and that the others, you know, are very clearly delineated or is it, or is it still pretty fuzzy right now? So we are still in the learning phases uh, because, um, you know, uh, studies, uh, molecular studies, um, first of all, are expensive and um, they didn't include a lot of patients. So now I think we need to generalize it to to larger groups. And one thing that my own research is uh, doing now, you know, we, we do a lot of research now with tape strips that we feel allows to do studies in larger cohorts. And so far, we seem to get similar results, which is very hopeful. And then we need to see how these differences relate to different treatments. So, you know, we have steps to go to get a bit deeper understanding, but it's very clear that there are differences in the response to treatment. And I'll give you just a few examples. For example, African-Americans in the dupilumab studies showed a little bit less responses to the every other week dosing. They were more resistant. Um, and Asians with the topic dermatitis also sometimes uh, need a more frequency of the drug or are a little bit more resistant to treatment. So, you know, there are a lot of things that we still are in the learning phases. Can you explain what tape strips are briefly? Of course. Thanks. So, you know, <laughs> absolutely. So tape strips, uh, basically, it's kind of like taking an adhesive tape and uh, basically uh, uh, trying to do it multiple times on the same area. So the secret is to do it on the same area. And each type, time you do it, you take a layer of the skin. And then it's a lot of time in the lab because you need to put all of these together um, and these identify basically the skin phenotype or the upper layer skin phenotype of that individual. And we found that doing that, we we have quite good concordance with the phenotype that we find in skin biopsies. And we, we did a study that compared atopic dermatitis and psoriasis. And we were very um, excited because we found a single marker that was able to differentiate 100% whether it's psoriasis or atopic dermatitis. Wow. And even in skin biopsies, uh, others showed that you need two markers to differentiate psoriasis and atopic dermatitis. So I, I do think that in the future, this can be possible to utilize in a clinical uh, setting. For example, somebody wants to know if they, the patient at hand, uh, they were not sure, the patient has, let's say, psoriasiform dermatitis, and they want to put the patient on a biologic, but they do not know if this should be a biologic for eczema or for psoriasis. So things like that, I think we, we may be able to utilize such an approach in the future. And, and so from your, your research using tape strips and, and the blood work, et cetera, is it also possible with this line of thinking to use this information from a prognosis perspective, you know, maybe even help predict what someone's disease course might look like, or is that still a little too far away? It's a little bit too far away. But I think I think this is something that we are actively working on. So we have studies with treatments in which we will try to predict based on baseline if somebody will respond to treatment. So I think in the future, uh, I'm talking far away, but not that far away, a year or two, this may be possible. Wow. So then is there ever a scenario in the future where you might see that 
because biologics are so targeted that individuals might be on more than one or on different ones at different times in their life? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I do think, first of all, I do think you're right. I think personalized medicine is the future of uh, our field. And I do see that, you know, um, I think a given phenotype may change throughout life. And I do see that, for example, a one biologic may have worked in the beginning and then later on another biologic. We also need to remember that uh, in psoriasis, they show that sometimes biologics stop working at some point. So we need to also keep that in the back of our mind. That's an option. Uh, we see for some patients that after they responded to dupilumab two, three years, we have patients that it stopped working at some point. So, you know, this is something to, to keep in mind. Absolutely. So in the future, when we have all these biologics to treat different types of eczema, will the idea be to test a patient every so often to be sure their type isn't changing or? Yeah, I, I, I am a great believer that, you know, a feasibility is also important. I would not do that unless there is a need. But if at some point the patient stops responding, you know, we, we need to be also a practical, then I, I would test the patient. You see my point? As long as the patient was treated well, why should we care? Mm -hmm. But when the patient stops responding, then we need to understand why and what drug may be used for that patient. Well, this has been great. And, and I guess maybe I'll ask Dr. Gutman. So with, with this new evolution uh, in biologics and your research, you know, what do you see as, as the next step forward in where your research is going and how it could you know, continue to inform that step towards personalized care? Yeah, so several things that interest me, for example, whether we can prevent eczema early on in babies. I'm involved in such a, a, a registry study from Europe that maybe can answer that. That is very exciting. And the other thing is whether we can treat eczema early to prevent other atopic manifestations. And, and, you know, whether we can predict which drug can work best for each patient. I think that will be making me very happy <laughs> to provide that to my patients. And then I was just also wondering, we know that so many eczema patients also have many other um, associated you know, conditions that come along with it, whether there are also other inflammatory conditions um, in the atopic march or other issues such as you know, impacts to their mental health or other comorbid mm -hmm. conditions such as alopecia areata. How do you see all of this information um, from your research and, and care using biologics, hopefully being able to change that conversation in the future as well? Yeah, no, that's an excellent uh, question. And absolutely, I think in the future, we'll need to think very carefully what comorbidity the patient has and which drugs may be working for that comorbidity, if, if the patient has comorbidity. But you, you pointed out very well that many patients actually do have the comorbidities. I think this was was really great and I think it really highlights um, what is an exciting time you know in the in the field of eczema research as well as the potential for what that means for um, patients down the road um, as these new biologics come uh, hopefully to fruition and uh, and gives additional options for uh, for a community that has has not historically had very many. Um, so really excited for all the work that you're doing, Dr. Gutman, and how that correlates with um, really a lot of hope for, for patients and caregivers that so very need it. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, I think it's a super exciting time for the field. I guess I'll move to my final question then, uh, which is, Dr. Gutman, what do you love the most about being a clinician researcher? 
Oh my God, I have to say that I love my job. I would not do anything else. <laughs> I really love my job. And if somebody told me that I need to give up each one of these, I would never agree. Because I feel they feed into each other. I, I get great ideas from my patients and then I implement them in the lab and vice versa. So some of my best ideas, like, you know, now I'm doing a lot of research in alopecia because I found that the diseases are very similar just by seeing it from my patients. And I think I love this, being a physician scientist. And yeah, no, I definitely love what I do. <laughs> love it. That's great. Thanks so much for joining us. This was really great. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it so much too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Eczema Out Loud. You can visit the National Eczema Association at www.nationaleczema.org. If you have feedback on this episode, or you'd like to send in a suggestion for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at We hope you'll join us next time.